Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss a simple way to recognize your customers, a doctor engaging his patients to improve the office experience, and breaking down President Biden's executive order on customer service. Wishes, courtesies, and orders. Oh, my. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Well, actually, my birthday was back in December. But since we've been off the air, I wanted to rewind to that fateful day because like any customer experience guy worth his salt, I decided to conduct an experiment. Okay, I have no idea where this is going, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. What do you got for me? Well, we've mentioned this in passing before. Think about all of the times that you have shared your birthday with a company or a government entity. Well, let me see. That would be every time I've traveled through an airport, every time I've checked into a hotel and shown my identification, any time I've handed over my ID, frankly. If I've applied for a bank account, a credit card, an insurance policy, a mortgage, pretty much anything financial, anything where they're trying to prove who I am. Yeah, I get asked about my birthday all the time. Right. Or if you were so inclined to enter a bar or make a purchase at a liquor store, you might still get carded. Well, I mean, I definitely do. I don't know. Oh, so do I. No, I I definitely get carded. Yeah, yeah. And even when you celebrate your birthday at a restaurant, uh, duh, they know it's your birthday. Now think about all the times that companies have remembered to wish you a happy birthday. It's hard to think of many. So for my recent birthday, I decided to open up every app on my phone that I knew had my birthday on file to see which ones took notice. Now, these all included airlines. And I have the American app, Delta and United. Hotels. I have Hilton, Hyatt, and Marriott. Banks and credit cards. I have BMO Harris, Capital One, Chase, City, Discover, USAA. I do a lot of banking. Payment apps. I have PayPal, Venmo, Zelle. Social media apps. (laughs) More than you, Joey. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, (laughs) Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter. I had 21 apps that I opened. How many do you think recognized my birthday? Okay, so I feel a little bit like in Vegas where I'm supposed to guess a number and I have no idea what the number is going to be. But let me put a little bit of reasoning behind this. We both know that this doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. So I'm going to cut that number in half immediately. And then I'm going to round it down just a little. I'm going to hope, hope that in 2022 that companies are getting better about this. I'm going to go with... 
Uh, eight. Eight. Final answer. Eight, eight out of 21. Okay, so a little eight more than a third. Yes. A little, little okay. more than a third. Not, not much more, just a smidge more than a third. Now, I'm probably being a bit generous here, but I'm optimistic. Eight. Well, you know, I'm glad that you picked a number that was a little more than a third because that's one over three. And so you were close. It was three. Oh, my goodness. Only three? And I know for a fact that all of those people have your birthday. Yes. Well, like, maybe not all. I don't know all the social media ones. Maybe not those folks. But anything financial, they have your actual birthday. The airlines all have your actual birthday. And unless you're the kind of person who lies about your birthday, the hotels probably have your birthdays too. Because why wouldn't you tell the hotel your birthday? They all do, Joey. Every one of them does. And like you mentioned before... Every time you check into the hotel, you hand them your license. So they have it one way or another. And yes, all the social media platforms ask you. They have to because they have to make sure that you're not underage. So they all have your birthday. Now, I kind of fibbed a little bit. It isn't three. It's three and a half. But we'll get to that in a moment. None. Okay. <laughs> I'm struggling, but okay. You're struggling, okay. yeah. Okay, so none of the airlines or payment apps said anything. And I know this disappoints oh, you as a loyal Delta fan. No, oh, I'm no. heartbroken. Delta I'm heartbroken. Did, Delta did not. Oh. There was one bank, one hotel, and one and a half social media platforms. That is three and a half out of 21. Now, can you guess which one, Joey? Okay. So one bank, one hotel, and one social media platform, and maybe another half, but I'm not sure. Okay. So let's say the bank... You said we've got BMO Harris, Capital One, Chase, City, Discover, and USAA. I'm just remembering. Did you list all those out? Yeah, those were great. Okay, great. I'm going to go with USAA because mm -hmm. they've got a great reputation. Mm -hmm. um, and they're constantly talked about as being great customer experience. So that's my guess there. For hotels, I got strong opinions about several of these. So I'm going to go with the one that I have the most positive experience with, Marriott. And for social media... I'm going to hope the one that I like the best that I have the most hope for in the future is LinkedIn. So I'm going to say LinkedIn, USAA, Marriott, and LinkedIn. Final answer. And oh, the half point, I don't know, uh, the TikTok. Let's do what the kids are doing. All right. Well, actually, Joe, you did very well on that. Much better than you did at guessing the number. You guessed two out of three are, are correct. So uh, as it turns out, the first one that I opened was from Marriott. And I opened up Marriott's app. There was flying confetti on the screen, a nice. birthday cake. And it says, happy birthday, wishing you the happiest of birthdays from Marriott Bonvoy. I thought that was great. Very nice, you know, simple to the, to the fact and to the point. And I kind of liked the animated confetti. So that was cool. Then I opened up USAA, and that is also another correct answer. Now, they yes. were a, a lot more subtle, but still, uh, they used like the it's top. A bank, right? It's we're a not bank, expecting yes. confetti. It's a top. But you know what? They used the banner ad space at the top of the app. It said, happy birthday. And there were some uh, candles in the background. And lovely. And uh, by the way, I would have guessed USAA too. They're just so good at stuff like that. Now, the social media platform that Remember Me was not LinkedIn. Oh, uh, and so fun good. fact, it is your friends and mine at Twitter 
Ah, uh, the tweeters. Unbelievable. And so, uh, if you don't know this, pro tip, if you go to your Twitter profile on your birthday, you will see animated balloons rising from the bottom of the screen <laughs> up to the top. It's cute. It's a I'm great, laughing it's because cool. for the first time in 2022, I may log into Twitter on my birthday just to see the balloons. Don't worry, friends. I won't tweet anything, yes, but well, I'll just take, go see the balloons. We'll take a snapshot of it so we can, <laughs> we can see it. Now, uh, there was the half point. And I do want to award that to Snapchat, which I do not spend any time on. I just have it because my kids have it. And I was alerted by my kids that Snapchat has a birthday filter that is available within certain number of days of your birthday. And I did go in and I figured it out mostly with their help because as you probably know, Snapchat's user experience is intentionally meant to confuse old guys like you and me. <laughs> so uh, it was not intuitive to me and that's why I missed it on my actual birthday. But they, uh, the, my kids helped me find it uh, a couple days Later. By the way, if you want to see pictures of this, I did write about this experience on my website. It's dangingus.com slash birthday. And you can read the whole article and also see the screenshots from Marriott, USAA, and Twitter. So look, the lesson here is simple. Recognizing your customers' birthdays or other important life or career milestones is a simple, inexpensive, and personalized way to show them that you're paying attention and that you care. I believe it improves the customer experience and it engenders loyalty at almost no cost. After all, if you're not going to use all this customer data that you collect, why collect it in the first place? There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. All right, Joey, today's CX Press is from NBCLX, and it is entitled, and I am not making this up, a gynecologist asked women how to design his new office. The answers are so on point. Now, let me summarize this for you because I am obsessed with this article right now. There is a doctor in Indianapolis named Ryan Stort. And on Twitter, his uh, handle is Stubu, which is at S-T-U-B-O-O. And he tweeted out in early December the following tweet. I have the opportunity to design my office from scratch. I'm asking women, how would you design or optimize a visit to the gynecologist's office? Problems, frustrations, solutions. No detail is too small. If I've ever had a tweet worthy of virality, it's this one. Well, his tweet did turn out to go viral. 3,500 people replied to his tweet. 2,100 plus retweeted it. And over 9,000 people liked it. And Dan, if I may interrupt, these are, I'm not even on the Twitter. These are good, really good numbers. These are really good. I mean, he's not, with all due respect to uh, Dr. Stewart, he's, he's not a celebrity. He's not somebody that has kajillion followers, I presume. This is the engagement that most brands are dying to have with their audience. And it seems like he got it from a question. Absolutely. And the beauty of it is, is he is trying to design the customer experience. And what is he doing? He's asking 
customers. Wow. So Novel concept. Yes. They and ask, that, you know, so, you answer, you ask, they'll answer. So at the risk of, uh, of getting into some detail here that some listeners uh, may be slightly uncomfortable with, but don't worry, we're not going to go, it's not going to be too difficult to hear. I do want to talk about some of the things that he heard because I think it was tremendous. The first thing that he heard was actually some criticism about his phrase, I'm asking women. And he subsequently sent out a second tweet that said, folks have correctly pointed out that I incorrectly said women when what I should have said was folks who may need gynecologic care. I named the practice with this in mind and his new practice is called Midwest Pelvis. But I find that I still have a lot of internalized and implicit bias. And sure enough, I, I went through... I spent almost an hour, Joey, I was so obsessed, reading all of the comments on this tweet. And a lot of people did point out that there are people that don't identify as a woman. There are other people that come to the office that aren't women. There's, you know, And so whatever, it was a, a decent point. But what I thought was interesting was, as I mentioned, he got more than 3,500 replies. Many of them were very simple courtesies that make all the sense in the world. And what is also beautiful about this story is he was so giving and and taking, like in, in the sense that he he just embraced all of this feedback and, and compliments people on on their their feedback and you know is definitely taking it all in. So one Twitter user pointed out that patients don't want their weight taken in a place where someone might walk past and see the number. And in fact another person said that they don't themselves want to see the number. And so they want the scale. They want to be able to stand on the scale in a way that they don't have to see their own weight if they don't want. I, I was like, wow, very interesting piece of feedback. Very interesting. I, and something that, you know, probably doesn't affect every one of your customers or patients. But if it affects any of them, why not make the slight adjustment in how you position the scale? Why not? If my theory is, if you can do something that doesn't cost you anything other than a little courtesy and conscientiousness, and it dramatically improves the experience of even some of your patients, that should be a no-brainer. I love that suggestion. Exactly, and there were other things that seemed, you know, somewhat small. For example, there were a couple of comments about obviously women have to remove a certain amount of clothing, and there's this question of, well, where do I put my clothes? And and it's a it's uncomfortable to just pile them up on a chair, so they want a place to put their clothes. Okay, it seems perfectly reasonable. This one, obviously, Joey, you and I probably can't relate to, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, I can't believe this is actually an issue. But then I confirmed with the girlfriend, it's totally an issue. Which way the chair faces is really important. I mean, if we're going to be having to show our parts, it'd be nice if people aren't walking by seeing it. And yet that comment came up a lot of times, which I thought, again, such an easy fix, right? To, to make sure I'm understanding correctly, the implication in that comment is that the chair is facing a door by which other people are walking by while yes. someone's getting their exam? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Two things. Number one, didn't know that that was a problem. Embarrassed to say that I didn't know that that was a problem because as a customer experience practitioner, that is something we should be aware of. Number two, holy cow, seems like an obvious, obvious issue that... I'm surprised happened, you know, more than one person commented on it. It sounds well, like you said a lot of people chimed in and said, yeah, definitely an issue. 
And I'm not surprised, and here's why. Because I think it is clear from this story that the people designing gynecological offices don't tend to be women or people that are using the offices. And I think that when you're there, I'm hypothesizing here, but I I get a sense also from reading some of the comments that I'm not far off, is that when you're there as a patient in the office, you're probably not going to give this feedback. It's not an appropriate or comfortable time to give it. But then when somebody's asking on Twitter, well, you're going to come out and say it. And, And that's what a lot of people did. There was one Twitter user that remarked that she's never seen pictures of black women in any gynecologist's office that she's ever visited. And then several other people said, you know, I've never seen, there's lots of images on the walls. There's lots of anatomy. I've never seen pictures of someone that looks like me. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And this is something that happens all the time. I got to tell you, Dan, about two years ago, and I'm embarrassed that it was only two years ago, I went through every slide in my presentation decks and said, how can I make these images more inclusive? How can I make them more gender inclusive, more race inclusive, more age inclusive? You know, how can I not be ableist? How can I go through and position it? And since I've done that, not only have I felt better when I'm presenting that I've got representative images, hopefully on the screen of what the people in the audience are able to relate to, but I've actually had people come up to me after speeches or message me in virtual speeches and say, hey, thanks for including this picture. I really appreciate it because I resemble that person or I have a similar experience of that person. And these are in stock photos that I'm using in the presentation. So love that example. And it's something every business could dramatically increase the uh, the feeling of welcomeness or the feeling of inclusion that your customers or your patients are having just by thinking a little more consciously about the imagery you're using. Exactly. And that's a great idea on the slides you, uh, you've just... I, I wrote it down because I'm going to do the same. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. Uh, I want to keep going because there's so many things here. Like I feel like we could do an entire episode on this. There were many, many comments about temperature and uh, that both the air temperature is too cold. Hey, I'm taking off my clothes. I don't want to freeze. And then also the, uh, the metal stirrups that, that women have to put their feet on are often very cold. Now, what I thought was awesome about this, and this is what happens when you start to look at these tweets and you kind of go into this rabbit hole, is as somebody mentioned the, the temperature of the stirrups, somebody else started posting pictures of stirrup warmers that their office uses that not only keep them warm, but they also have really funny comments on them. And you know, I love signage no matter where it is, right? Good sign. Well, one of them that was was posted, the left stirrup says, are we? And the right one says, done yet. And then another one says, I hate. And the one on the right says, this part. And so what the people were commenting was they served a dual purpose. They were both uh, useful in actually solving the problem of it being too cold. And they made them laugh. They made them relax. And they made them just sort of be more comfortable. So I loved those. And I loved, of course, that people were sharing images and examples. Then I came upon an image, Joey, that was disturbing to me. And, And the moment I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't think of this either. So this is a, a sign in a bathroom. And I know we make a lot of jokes about me, me talking about bathrooms, but this one's very serious. There's a black marker and a sign that says, please put your initials on the specimen jar. Presumably they've urinated into a cup and they're putting their initials on it. Then below that sign, there's a red marker. And it says, please put your initials in red 
if you are experiencing abuse or if somebody's hurting you. And we will ask everyone, anyone that you've come with to leave the room so that we can have a private discussion with you. And when that was posted, I, I mean, I got the chills. And when that was posted, people started piling on on that and saying that oftentimes that one moment where they go into the bathroom to pee into a cup is the only time they're alone. And so it's the only time where they could tell somebody they need help. And so one office figured out, this is where we're going to get them help. It's brilliant. And every office should do that. It's brilliant and heartbreaking. It is. It's brilliant and heartbreaking at the same time. But I can see why that stood out and why you want to share that. And I think it's such a poignant reminder that we have opportunities. We have opportunities in our business to do better, to be better, to help. And that goes beyond just the services or the products that we're quote unquote supposed to offer. Now, granted, that type of sign might not fit in every business and in every bathroom. But I love that example. Well, and I have to say, all of these examples are applicable, first of all, to anyone in the medical community in every form of medicine, right? I I mean, why don't dentists do this? Why don't uh, surgeons do this? Ask their customers for what would make for a more comfortable office. So Joey, I reached out to Dr. Stewart and I asked him if he'd be so kind as to provide us some audio for this show because I wanted to hear uh, uh, what, what he thought. And he told me that he recently had surgery and it has left him very hoarse. So he was not comfortable speaking to us, but he did write me a really cool email that I want to read to you because it, it really gives a sense for the response that he's gotten and, and how he feels about it. So this is an email from Dr. Stewart directly. I posted the tweet thinking that I might get a few hundred responses if I was lucky. I've never been so happy to be wrong. The response was overwhelming in terms of both volume and quality. Of course, I suspected there were things we needed to work on. After all, I've been practicing as an OBGYN since 2012. And even I, not the patient and not a female, could identify some things we could do better in terms of patient experience. Talking to patients, friends, and family members over the years has also provided some insight. But the value in asking a question like this on social media is not only that it gives suggestions for improvement, but also allows people to vote on things that resonate with them through likes, retweets, and comments. The other thing that this thread allows for, the most powerful thing, is the sharing of stories. Reading the personal stories of patient experiences immediately changed the way I looked at the waiting room, the exam room, the bathroom. It changed everything about how I evaluate the patient experience. Medicine is an interesting beast. We are literally trained from the first day of medical school to be objective. As an aside, this is one of the reasons why most medical curriculum starts with anatomy. There's nothing like spending hundreds of hours dissecting a cadaver to turn a person into a body. This objectivity is critical to the work we do as clinicians, but it has the untoward effect of making us terrible at patient experience. Combine that with the harried pace, the normalization of pain slash disease from the clinician perspective, and the naturally conservative nature of medicine, and you've got a reputation for, well, a lousy patient experience. I'm exceedingly grateful for the people who shared their stories with me and others in response to my post. 
I've taken the feedback and used a great deal of it in the design of my new practice in Indianapolis, the Midwest Center for Pelvic Health. There has also been some interest in doing a more scientific analysis of the response and publishing the results in one of the OBGYN medical journals so others in our field can benefit from the wealth of information shared as well. I don't know about you, but I like this guy. I like this guy a lot. I love this story. I love you sharing this story. And I love the example that is being set for everyone in the healthcare space. But frankly, I would posit everyone in business. Ask your customers. Listen to your customers. And then hopefully what we're going to see, and I have to imagine we're going to see this, just the way Dr. Stewart has kind of lined things up, act on their suggestions. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. On December 13th, President Biden issued the Executive Order on Transforming Federal Customer Experience and Service Delivery to Rebuild Trust in Government. Now, this is different from the White House guidance and the bill sitting in the U.S. Senate, which we talked about last season in episode 148. First of all, it's an executive order, so it's pretty much a done deal. Secondly, it gets into many more specifics that I thought were fascinating. Now, the order is quite lengthy, nearly 5,000 words. But as usual, we here at Experience This have done the hard work of reading it for you. The order starts out by declaring its purpose, which is in part, quote, government must be held accountable for designing and delivering services with a focus on the actual experience of the people whom it is meant to serve. Government must also work to deliver services more equitably and effectively, especially for those who have been historically underserved. Strengthening the democratic process requires providing direct lines of feedback and mechanisms for engaging the American people in the design and improvement of federal government programs, processes, and services. It goes on to note that in recent years, the annual paperwork burden imposed by executive departments and agencies on the public has been in excess of 9 billion hours. Then, in perhaps the world's biggest understatement, it notes that, quote, that number is too high. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, friends. <laughs> the goal, therefore, is to, quote, effectively reduce administrative burdens, simplify both public-facing and internal processes to improve efficiency, and empower the federal workforce to solve problems, end quote. Now, as a matter of policy, the order states that several things must happen. One, the government's performance must be measured empirically and by on-the-ground results for the people of the United States, especially for their experiences with services delivered. Two, agencies should continually improve their understanding of their customers. And three, agencies' efforts to improve customer experience should include systematically identifying and resolving the root causes of customer experience challenges regardless of whether the source of such challenges is statutory, regulatory, budgetary, technological, or process-based. Now, Dan, that all sounds good, but we the people demand action. Well, that's good because the order goes on to detail specific actions that 13 different government agencies must take. Now, we're not going to go through all of them, but 
We're going to share some highlights here because I love the specificity of this and frankly, the expansiveness of this. It starts with the Secretary of State who shall design and deliver a new online passport renewal experience that does not require any physical documents to be mailed. Oh my goodness. I love this one. Having just renewed my youngest son's passport a few months ago, it is amazing that, you know, it almost feels like they're saying, and put it on the Pony Express and send it across the country in the hopes that it will make it to the Capitol. I love that we're getting the State Department to upgrade their experience because don't we want people to have more passports and to like go out and experience the world? I, for one, do. I love this. You know, it goes on to say that the Secretary of the Treasury shall design and deliver new online tools and services to ease the payment of taxes and provide the option to schedule customer support telephone callbacks. This is something I love with the airlines. You know, if I call Delta and it's a long hold time, they'll say, would you like us to call you back at this number in 30 minutes and you won't lose your spot in the line? Yes, please, so I can get back to my day. It'd be great if the IRS and the Treasury had the same type of service. Yes, and I think that you will see on a lot of these examples, these are things that they're taking from business, which is great because some businesses have figured it out. Now, I did just have to include this one because I thought it was humorous. The Secretary of the Interior shall redesign the website of the Fish and Wildlife Service. Now, I didn't happen to know that this one needed redesigning, but I'm glad that they will be doing it. The Secretary of Agriculture shall identify opportunities to reduce individuals' and families' burdens by simplifying enrollment and recertification for nutrition assistance programs, such as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, known as SNAP. Dan, I love this one. I, When I was a practicing lawyer, I dealt with a lot of clients who were navigating SNAP and some of these other programs. We shouldn't make you have to jump through 10,000 hoops to feed your child. Enough is enough. I love that they're doing this. I love the idea of reducing the burden and making this simpler to do. Yeah, and I would argue also that whether you subscribe to or don't subscribe to some of these programs, a lot of the money spent on them is the operational process. It's not even going to the people, right? It, it's being eaten up in all of this paperwork and all of this operational mess. So I do think that it will make these programs more efficient for sure. The Secretary of Labor shall update existing rules and policies to allow individuals entitled to medical treatment under their workers' compensation plans to conduct their routine medical treatment appointments using telehealth platforms. And it will also eliminate requirements for workers' compensation claims to submit physical documents. So we see now for the second time about moving to digital spaces, telehealth. Everybody else is moving to telehealth and use and eliminating physical documents because in today's day and age, we don't need to mail physical copies. So true, Dan. The Secretary of Health and Human Services... Well, they got a whole list of things to do. There's a bunch <laughs> there, which is great, which is great. It's a department that doesn't get nearly as much attention as it should. And it's a department that plays a very important role in our society. So I love the idea of simplification and efficiency and enhancement in that department. There's a lot of folks doing great work in health and human services. Love that they're getting some uh, support on that. Well, they got a lot of things to do from an experienced perspective, as does, according to uh, this order, the Secretary of Education and the Administrator of the Small Business Administration. 
But then we get to the Administrator of General Services, who shall develop a roadmap for a redesigned USA.gov website that aims to serve as a centralized digital federal front door, quote unquote, from which customers may navigate to all government benefits, services, and programs and features streamlined content, processes, and technologies using human-centered design to meet customer needs, including consolidating content currently appearing on And then there's a whole list of other websites that we want to bring all into one place. I have to tell you, this one may have the biggest impact of all of them. If there's just one place to go to for the massive federal government to find any program, any service, anything that you're looking for, it is going to make things so much easier. And I love this concept of a digital front door. I want people listening today, even if you're not in government, to think about this for your business as well. You may offer lots of different services, tens of you know, dozens, hundreds of different services. How you sort all of those and explain it to people and allow them to come into a centralized location to experience it can really mean the difference of whether they're going with you or going with a competitor. You know, Dan, I am compelled to, you know, at the risk of getting a little political here, point out that this is not a political segment. This isn't about President Biden. This isn't about the current administration. This is about the government. And what's interesting is there are several camps of people in our society today. There are people that think the federal government is doing a really good job. There are people that think the federal government is doing a terrible job. And there are people that fall everywhere in between. What I think everyone can agree to, though, regardless of where you fall on a political spectrum, is a commitment to creating better experiences, to creating smoother experiences, to reducing friction, to making things clearer, to making things more consistent is a good policy for any organization and would be a great policy for the federal government. So I'm a big fan of putting these type of initiatives in place. And I'm excited to see where this executive order takes things. Well, yeah. And if I could say in a slightly different way, I have never, when I ask people, you know, hey, name your favorite experience or when's the last time you had a remarkable experience? I've never once had anybody say, oh, the last time I engaged with the US government. So you know, regardless of what political party they're associated with, no one's ever answered that question with, oh yeah, my favorite place to engage with is the US government. So I think that there is a lot of work to do. I'm glad they're doing it. I want to just leave us with a couple of takeaways that I think are, that apply to businesses. So understanding that this is a segment about what the government is doing, but they're actually doing some really smart things that all businesses should pay attention to. Number one, it was it went through all of these department by department. This department is going to do this. This department is going to do this. Obviously, in order to even get to 5,000 words, think about the research that had to have been done and the analysis of all of these departments. So I loved the thoroughness of it. They have, the second one is they have a lot of work to do, obviously, but they've started by identifying the biggest problems. And the reality is you can't solve every customer experience issue all at once. You have to start somewhere. And I always like to say that the best customer experience strategy is just a series of little things. And this is a big series of little things, and which is true with many companies as, as well, that there's a lot to do. But you got to start somewhere. And I think it was great that they were very specific about where they wanted to start with some of the biggest problems. And finally, if I get one complaint from CX professionals, the most often, it's that they can't get executive buy-in. Well, what I love about this 
is it's an executive order from the president of the United States. So U.S. government workers, guess what you have? You have executive buy-in. And this is so critical for companies as well. We have to have the buy-in from the top. Otherwise, the stuff just doesn't get done. If you would like to read all 5,000 words, uh, you can go to whitehouse.gov or just Google President Biden Executive Order on Customer Experience and you will get to the document. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay you, we're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience. Yes.